This is Jack Donovan, author of The Way of Men, and you are listening to Start the World. My guest today is Coach Tony Blauer from Blauer Tactical. He is well-known in the self-defense world for his spear system. Today, we're going to talk about his no-fear system and how it can help individuals, families, and organizations to better understand how to navigate and manage fear. You can find out more about it at nofearnow.com. Coach Blauer, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, man. I'm super excited to catch up with you in this very strange time in our world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So I was going through all your material uh, in preparation for this podcast the other day. And one thing that really stuck out at me uh, that I think will relate to a lot of the guys who follow my work is that you talk about turning fear into courage. And I like that a lot as a slogan. Can you walk me through that process and a little bit what that what that's like? Sure, man. Uh, So trying to think where to start on it. I mean, simply put, we need to change our relationship with fear. Most people, uh, when they get a fear spike, and the fear spike is is that moment where you suddenly, whether it's butterflies, sweaty palms, vertical breathing, or you just feel this like sense of doom, like a moment of like, what the fuck? What am I going to do now? And you can get a fear spike uh, where you watch something on the news about the pandemic. You can get a fear spike where someone says... Uh, Hey, here's your workout today. And you're like, like, this is going to kill me. And, and so our relationship with the physiological changes is actually the problem. And, and I think uh, on our original uh, podcast, when you interviewed me years ago, I I may or may not have talked about this uh, ski story where I was a competitive skier, but I would sabotage my success all the time, but not by not showing up. I was an aggressive athlete, but I was always catching a tip, wiping out, skiing off the course because I tried too hard. But it was, I realized years later, it was my relationship with fear. I had this recurring thought, if I'm so good, because everyone was telling me I was good, then how come I'm so scared? And, and it, you know, that thought years later, as I was kind of like putting the research together, was was so potent that when I would mention it in a live seminar, you would see half the room shift in their seat and go like, they just realized something they wanted to do as a kid or a teenager as an adult was suppressed by this idea that they hadn't reconciled the physiological changes to fear with their psychological perception. So, so how do you create courage from fear? And I was just actually doodling this um, the other day that you know, one of our slogans from the course is you can't be brave if you're not afraid. I'll say that again. You can't be brave if you're not afraid. And anyone listening to this, if you just literally that should be your next tattoo, right? It should be it, like that should be something that we all look at because a lot of times people know what bravery looks like. They know what courageous behavior looks like. And we can see it, whether it's in a book, in a movie, in the news, we go, wow, holy shit, did you see what that that man or woman did. That was amazing. We know it. And then we start to think, I wonder if I I could do that. Be public speaking, it could be a competition, it could be sports, it could be combat. When you start to think about it and visualize it, you start to get these feelings of fear because you realize you're not trained. You you, You don't know what you're doing. And so suddenly, and this is kind of deep, but I'm trying to make it as simple as possible. 
we start to uh, create these neuro associations, a big fancy word for how our brain links up a symbol to those feelings. So like, you know, I've been talking like professionally speaking for decades now, I still will get an adrenaline dump before a big talk, but where some people get stage fright and can't go out or they, or they step on the stage and they're like, hi, I'm here to talk to you about fear. And you're like, whoa, you know, when I get the same feeling, that same fear spike, I know it's because I want to do a good job. I know it's because I want to inspire you. In other words, I've changed my relationship with fear to go, oh, this is performance anxiety. And this may seem really simple, but in, in the big picture in life, most people shirk away when they experience fear. And, and um, so I've got, you know, one, one of the, the routines that I ask people to do is practice courage, practice courage, practice courage. And like, what, what does that mean? Well, it means that every time you get a fear spike and it could be, should I answer this email? Should I tell this to my spouse? Should I uh, confront my kids? And you know, how do I find the, uh, the confidence? How do I find the, the wherewithal to assert myself in an intelligent way? Right. And so uh, I feel like I'm rambling here, but inter interrupt me at any point and stop me and chop no, me a little. You're doing good. It's, it's, it's like, like people go, well, how do I change my relationship with fear? I go, well, you get a little fear spike every day. Mm -hmm. Like, no, I don't. Yeah, you do. Like yesterday you, you were on your way to a meeting and you realized you were going to be late and now you're embarrassed because you'd be late. And you, so you started speeding and driving reckless. You, we need to go, oh shit, that's what he's talking about. That this is, I, I love asking this question. And uh, uh, I'll ask you, when you go to a restaurant, you're traveling, you go to a restaurant and it's a good restaurant and you order the food the way you want it. Do you always, if you get your food and it's not cooked the way you said, I want my steak medium rare, whatever, you know, I want my fish like this. Do you always send it back or do you just eat it? Oh, dude, I'm the worst with that. I, I will send it. I will eat everything. You personally. I, I, I would eat, yeah, I will eat everything because I, I used to be a server. Okay. So, so I, I'll just, I don't even get mad. I'm just like, Oh, whatever. Yeah. Like I don't okay. worry about it, but so, so, go ahead. so you ruined my story, but thanks. But that's, <laughs> not a, um, uh, and, and it's interesting because you, you know, we could peel that onion more, but like, so I'm in a group class and I'll ask 30, 40, 50 people. I'll go who here always sends their food back. Yeah. And, and there's usually only one or two in the room. Right. And, and I go, well, why don't you send it? back and somebody always makes a joke because I don't want any special sauce in it. I don't want them to, you know, we have these ideas and I go, so you understand that not sending the steak back or the burger back or the fish back or the sandwich back right. is fear-based. Mm -hmm. And I, so I'm trying to give like really simple, actionable examples of how do you practice courage? You practice courage by using the fear spike as a signal. I don't like the word alarm because it's got a negative connotation, but as a wake up call to, oh, I can now practice courage by saying to my server, hey man, I know you didn't cook this. I, I, you know, I could do it two ways. I could go, hey dude, what, what the fuck's going on in the back there? This is shit. Tell the cook I want, and you know you're getting special sauce if that's your message, right? Right, right, right. right? So this is why I said earlier, find a way to assert yourself where it's like intelligent it's you're doing what you need for you spiritually psychologically emotionally it's an ethical hey man and it could be just uh uh i remember i was good friends with bruce lee's son brandon mm -hmm. and 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 uh um it was crazy meeting him 
but we were hanging out a lot in the eighties and we started to get that like, like very competitive energy with whether we were sparring, whether we were playing ping pong, whether we were playing guitar, you know, just out. And it was like trying to top each other and, and like guys at a certain age with a certain element of testosterone, we were, you know, I, I was, I, I think I was, uh, 27 years old he was 20 years old so we had a lot of testosterone stuff and at one point you could see this this tension building this competitive tension and he he says one night there might have been alcoholic beverages involved he looks at me and he says uh hey Have you ever been in a relationship? Things escalate, and then you're getting a real fight each other, with each other. Could be verbal, could almost be physical, could sometimes be physical. And you don't know why it happened, but it happens. And then you don't talk for months or a year, and, and then you, and you come back and you go, "Man, what was that? That was stupid." And you, like you hug, and it's the bromance again. I go, "Yeah, yeah, sure, that's happened." He goes, "Like that's where we're headed. Let's let's stop here and reset." let's forego all of that and stop it like right now. And I was like, holy shit, like the level of self-awareness he had as a young man was insane there. Yeah, that doesn't sound like 20. Right, <laughs> but, it, but it, and Brandon was very deep like that. Mm -hmm. and, and I guess, you know, what I'm talking about here, what I wanna bring up is that the, our situational awareness is connected to our self-awareness. Mm -hmm. And self-awareness is required for critical thinking. And critical thinking is the only way you change your relationship with fear. And it's all inter, it's all interconnected, you know? So, uh, uh, you know, when someone looks at me and they go, yeah, but like that slogan's cool. You know, if you can't be brave if you're not afraid, but how do I change my relationship with fear? Mm -hmm. I go, well, like it's, it's for some people, it's a light switch where, you know, they've been working on it without realizing they're working on it. And then you can hear a slogan. I'm sure you're, you're a great writer. I'm sure like in studying other writers, like you'll read something and you'll go, Oh my God. And like, it's almost like, like, you know, someone just cracked your neck and you see it. And that, uh, so sometimes people will hear something with respect to the fear. Like, uh, I studied fear for 40 years through self-defense, through martial right. arts. And I had, back in the 80s, it was almost like a fight club before fight club. We'd get together once a month. We'd put on Kyukushinkai helmets and, and Taekwondo chess guards and hockey gauntlets. I grew up in Canada, you know, hockey gauntlets. And, and we would beat the living shit out of each other. This is in the VHS days. But we did it in a very intuitive, intelligent way. It was, we're going to do scenarios. We weren't just going to stand square off and spar. You know, we did that in the ring. But the scenarios was pretend you're getting in your car, pretend you're at, at a, uh, you know, at a, at a club and someone bumps into you. And we do these scenarios. And I noticed two things, man. Mm -hmm. and, and, and people would sign up for these things. A street fighter, wrestler, judo, boxer, all these different guys from around Montreal would come in. And I noticed that when the scenarios were done right, that everybody flinched when they were first attacked, everyone's hands came up. And then the boxer would start throwing punches and the Taekwondo guy would push the guy back and try to kick and the, the grappler would cover and then go under. You could see the myelinization of neurotransmitters and the neuroscience, there's those things, muscle memory, and I always throw that in there because mm -hmm. there's really not legit 
muscle memory the way people think, but you could see their unconscious bias based on how they studied. But as an intuitive researcher, I'd step back and I go, wow. And I started noticing that everybody, their hands came up to cover their head or push away danger. Right. And then I also noticed something else that's significant. And, and I'm going to tie this back to the study of fear and the neuroscience of fear in a second. Um, there were people there that were very experienced fighters who quit. Right. So they're there like this going, you know, uh, they're in their scenario. They're talking, boom, punch comes in, they cover, and then they're being swarmed by one or two role players and they go to the ground and cover and they metaphorically tap like they're in the fetal position on the ground. Okay. I give up. And other people who had less training sometimes kept fighting and it was ugly and looked like shit, but they stayed in the fight. And so there were two things that I noticed when it's, Stimulus is introduced too quickly. Experience your reptilian brain, your survival reflex, hijacked executive function. Executive function is your theoretical self that says, I go, dude, what are you going to do if this happens? And you're out and you go, well, that's okay. You know, I'll take the guy down. I'll choke him out. You know, I'll step back. I'll hit him with a liver shot or I'll, I'll diffuse it. We have a theoretical idea of how we're going to handle our confrontations. Right. And so I noticed if a stimulus gets introduced too quickly, it didn't matter what you thought you were going to do, your survival system, and this is the coolest thing. I hope this is interesting to your listeners because I'm really in a rabbit hole right here mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I'm digging deeper. I can't get out. I'm stuck. And, but I love this shit, man. I love this shit. Mm-hmm. Is it didn't matter what your complex motor skill toolbox was. And this comes back to 15 minutes ago. I said your situational awareness is intrinsically connected to and informed by your self-awareness. And so in that moment, this, this experienced fighter who said earlier, well, if a guy was up here and he did that, I would just block and I would do this. Now he's covering his head and turning his back. He's in a full primal flinch. It's because his self-awareness, right, was hijacked and ambushed and his situational awareness was compromised. And so what was left to do is the body as a human weapon system said, cover the command center. Make sure that your brain, your breathing apparatus and all of this part here is covered. That's why you see people when they're getting the shit kicked out of them are covering their head. Even if they're getting kicked in the back or the stomach, they're not trying to block that. They're covering their head. That's the override. But here's the most exciting. And that's how I built the spear system, startle flinch, weaponizing the startle flinch. But the most important thing that I discovered from that, and I only made this realization like years later, was that how is it that here's a guy who, who's been training for 10 years and when he got ambushed emotionally, psychologically, physically quit in a scenario training exercise where he wasn't in really, he wasn't in real danger, right? We had gear on and we we're trying to kill each other. And then here's some woman or some guy who's had no training, but they showed up to these seminars. We call them the panic attack seminar, uh, aptly named, um, and uh, in the 80s, you could say stuff without, you know, having somebody shame you for, for saying panic. I wasn't making fun of anxiety. Right, you know, it, was, right. it was the 80s. It was, and we call it, we, uh, interestingly, like, oh, I would just say, hey, we're going to do some scenario training. And then I noticed everyone panicking. So I started calling it the panic attack seminar. And, and, and it was that challenge. It was like, try not to panic. And the panic was like running away from the fight. And, um, but here's the most important thing I noticed. The people who manage their fear managed to fight. I'll say that again. The people who managed their fear managed to fight. So there was like a, a, you know, a female student, uh, I remember once, who 
uh, I was her role player. And we'd all, it was interesting because we would all switch and be bad guys and, and, and good guys. And it was interesting to explore, and this, this became part of our, 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 our training protocol, is that when you, when you take on the, the behavior of the attacker and you start to see what it looks like, you start to understand the psychology of this manipulation. It was very, it was very bizarre, uh, cathartic and, 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 and eye-opening because this gave birth to so much insight into what a bad guys really want and how would you intercept it at a psychological level? How would you devalue yourself in a confrontation? Very interesting, but again, mm -hmm. how big is this? How deep is this rabbit hole? But I remember this one girl, I was this, her role player and she started to panic. And I'm on top of arms pinned and she has completely stopped fighting. Now she's paid for the seminar, I'm her coach. And I could say she's got a helmet on and I could see that she's stopped breathing. She's like, and I'm not clinically stopped breathing folks, right. but she's like hyperventilating. And of course she's feeling claustrophobic. She's got a plexiglass mask on. Now, what I could do, I could jump out a roll and I could say to her, okay, get your mask off, get some air, you're okay. You know, we're doing a couple of evolutions. You'll get, you'll get in on the next one. And say to one of my assistants, hey, get her some air outside. You're fine. But I was like, if she quits now, she might quit in the street. She might quit in a real rape, in a real attempted murder, someone dragging her to secondary crime scene, whatever. And, I, and I, my intuition said, stay with this. And I looked at her. And I got her pinned and I, and I, and I said to her, I said, look, I growled, look at me. And she opens, I go, take a deep breath. I go, take a fucking breath right now. And she breathes, right? And she doesn't know what's going on, right? She's like sucked into this scenario. I said, I don't want you passing out. I want you to know what's going to happen to you. Right. And they're like, and she like looks at me and I said, uh, don't you wish right about now, don't you wish you had taken a course on how to defend yourself, how to find that fucking indignation, that how dare you energy. Think about that. Don't you wish? And what I was trying to do is remind her, look where you are, Shannon. Look where you are. Right. And I saw this. Re it was so cool. I got goosebumps right now. I saw this realization as she recalibrated. Fuck. I'm in a self-defense seminar doing a scenario and I was about to just quit. And, and she like got this strength, man. She bridged and threw me like off me and, and followed me in like the creature from Alien. Ah, good. And, and I, I need you to understand that what she did was pure primal strength. I mean, she really threw me off her. I'm a lot bigger and stronger. And then she came at me to the point where like she was screaming and clawing, like just this Vesuvius of anger. And I'm literally covering, I've got gear on her, I'm covering, you know, because I like, it just surprised me. And if you said to me, what happened there? Like, what was that move? Was that like a hammer fist? Was that tiger claw? Like, and that's what martial artists do all the time, right? They're like, what style of Kung Fu was that? And I was like, that was indignation and fear management. And when you put that together, fucking shit happens, magic happens. I always tell people, if you need to solve a problem, you can't become the problem. Right. That becomes the bottleneck. So I'm gonna take a breath right now. 
But that's all, <laughs> that's all until I'm a, I get a, a little bit passionate about this shit. But so if I'm talking to somebody I'm coaching one-on-one or, uh, or a corporate group or a self-defense group, everyone wants to have a mathematical answer. So one plus one equals two, right? They, they want to know what's the formula. What the magic move is. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah, the like, secret move? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's mental. All movement is mental. That, that the mind navigates the body. That if you can't realize, we tell people like doubt becomes hesitation. Hesitation becomes procrastination or fixation. Fixation, unchecked, becomes non-clinical anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right? Have you ever had writer's block? Probably not, but have you ever? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Okay. So like for you, like... If, if you knew me back then or we were and you called me up and you went, man, I just can't, I can't seem to write. We would peel that onion and you would realize I've got some weird fear or this next, and, and, and I'm making up shit because we've never talked about it. It was, is this the book that's going to do this for me? Is this the, uh, they gave me an advance and they said, I need something by this time. And I just can't, I'm worried. I'm not going to, be able to do that. And I got to return. It, it, when you ask the seven questions and you peel the onion, it comes down to, I'm afraid of this. Oh yeah. I can tell you that right now. I'm pretty self-aware just generally. Right. And yeah, like I'm working on something right now. I have a bigger audience. You know, when I, when I was a delivery driver and writing the way of men that no risk, you know, right. like basically like who cares? Now I have a bigger audience. I have more people who are going to care. It's going to be judged in a different way, put in a different context. Everything matters a little bit more. Yeah, obviously. Every, everything's exactly what you're saying. And, and so your self-awareness allows you to recalibrate faster. And that's the whole thing with this. When, you have a, when you're lost without a map, you might mm-hmm. drive around in circles and run out of gas. Uh, there's lots of classic military stories of, of people during selection who, who didn't make it and they didn't realize they were a hundred yards from the, you know, the, the end zone where they had to cross some like line, but they gave up, they sat down by a tree or a rock and said, I'm lost, not realizing that on the other side of the mountain, you know, who knows if, if some of these are like, you know, folklore or whatever, but there's like stories of guys who like died on this land nav course because they couldn't manage their fear because they, they, they quit. So the idea here, the metaphor is that if you have a map of it, you can still navigate it. And I break it down into, there's a fear loop where, and I'll, I'll show actually, I have a graph of it here. Uh, and I, I'll get your audience, the, this graphic, but just to show the people, you know, who are watching this on YouTube, the red is the fear loop. And that means I've stopped. That's what I call the holy shit zone. The yellow is the duress path, and that's where I'm going to do it. I have a plan, but I'm super uncomfortable. And the green is the proverbial flow state, you know, what everyone talks about. I want to throw in something here about uh, flow state. Okay, a, lot cool. of times uh, you, yeah. a lot of times when you read these, these books, uh, they're studying a Navy SEAL or they're studying some extreme athlete or whatever. I look at that, and I'm, I'm fascinated by it. But at the same time, I go, that's an outlier. Like that person was going to be a world champion without your coaching or without your book. Like, and so we can learn stuff from them and we can even maybe mirror some of the rituals and and achieve some of the the results. But the reality is, you know, studying an outlier only, only sheds a certain amount of light. If you're a normal person, it's just what is grit? What is resilience? How do I manage my fear? 
And, and, and so I realized that most of the time, it's a dance between a fear spike, a duress path, and this is good. And so if we go back to this, where a more advanced visual of this, which I'm not sharing now because we haven't uh, created it, but I discuss it. And I'll use your, your writing as an example now. Your audience has gotten bigger, you're writing a bigger book, you got a great idea, and you go, like your scenario is, I'm gonna write a book, let's go. And then, you know, someone goes, okay, uh, like when do you think you'll have it to me by? When can I get like three chapters? I'm a great writer, I'll start. And then you sit down and you, and you wanna be great, you want it to be amazing, and then you're there and you're like, oh shit. And maybe you write something and then tear it out of the typewriter, oh, yeah. you know, the metaphoric typewriter. And, you're like, <laughs> yeah. and then but so what starts to happen is the fear loop. You get doubt, you get hesitation, hesitation becomes fixation, fixation becomes procrastination. And now it's non-clinical anxiety. I come over to see you one day and you're in a bad mood and you're sitting there and you're having a beer or whatever. And I go, what's up, man? Nothing. Well, body language is 60%. Well, I was supposed to write this fucking thing. And, I don't know. and it suddenly consumes our life. Self-awareness kicks in and you go, okay, just write a thousand words a day, write 500 words a day. You'll edit it back you, and you start to create little, little programs for yourself, little, little hacks to start going. That's the duress path because while you're in the duress path, part of your emotional psychological system is going, mm, I'm going to do this, but it probably sucks. Or I'm going to do this. I hope it works out. And that's not the flow state we want. And then occasionally using, continuing with the writing metaphor is all of a sudden you sit there and you have that eureka moment where you get an idea. You just start riffing. And next thing you know, you're, you're, you're writing for like an hour or two hours. That's the good stuff. The, the, right. <laughs> yeah, right. right. And that's green where you went into flow. Right. Now, um, what I tell people is like that could be parenting. That could be self-defense. Mm -hmm. Right. In, yep. in a moment in self-defense where you're like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. I think I'm about to get attacked. Fear spike. OK, what should I do? You're looking for an exit. You're looking for an improvised weapon. Oh, I'm so scared. You know, and you go, OK, man, like try to defuse it. Hey, man, I don't want trouble. This is a duress path. You're trying to talk somebody down. All of a sudden, boom, a shot comes in. You cover. You're in the fight. You throw the person against the wall and you reflexively in panic, you fire a punch and it hits them. And they're a paper tiger. And you're like. Like you, you can feel that they're now shirking from it. They didn't realize you're going to fight back. And in that moment, you realize I can defend myself. Mm -hmm. And you start and you nail them a couple of shots. So we went from red to yellow to green. We went from fierce spike, holy shit zone to, oh no, I don't believe this is happening. Denial, but process, plan, and then execution. So it's interesting because I reverse engineered this just observing real violence and real fights. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing, and, and uh, you, you know, coming back to that expression, um, those people who manage their fear managed to fight. It wasn't about their style or their technique or their experience. They just, it was that combination of, of and I love the word indignation because it's a special type of anger, especially when you're, you know, and, and, you know, I've been doing a, like a ton of talks because of COVID-19 and the pandemic and all of, and all of that. Right. Um, where, where I tell people like, like this is emotional and psychological violence. The attacks, the attacks are fake news. The attacks are other people's opinions, but the bigger attack is internally. And I, I love the acronym. We use the acronym false expectations appearing real. F-E-A-R, false expectations appearing real. That's when we're visualizing a future event where we've lost. It's our pain, it's our destruction, it's our demise. 
We're visualizing a future event that's immobilizing us in the present. And, yeah, that's what, yeah. and that's what most of us do. Someone says, hey, did you hear lockdown's gonna be 12 months? And you believe this source, whether it's for five minutes or five, while you believe that source, you started a movie in your mind. I can't sustain this, this is outrageous. You know, this is, this is overreach to I'm gonna go bankrupt to how am I gonna take care of my family to, you know, now what we've, what we've created is, is, is uh, uh, depression, anxiety, in other people because of the way they consume information. And what I love to remind people is the movie in your mind is just part of your fear factory. And the right. movie in the mind is this. I love, I love this, this metaphor because you have the remote control for that, the metaphor. But you don't unless we come back to full circle self-awareness and situational awareness. If I don't have good self-awareness, I will sit there all day watching this movie in my mind not doing shit about my situation. Remember, you can't solve problems if you become the problem. And so the movie metaphor is this, you're the star, you're the director, you're the screenwriter, you're the producer in the movie. You're doing all that shit. Oh yeah. And you're, you've cast yourself as victim number one instead of superhero. And if you take this fun, goofy, cartoony metaphor and you go, wait a minute, in every action movie, the hero gets fucked up in the beginning. He's mm -hmm. kidnapped. Somebody knows gets kidnapped. He gets beaten up, but he comes back. And so that's it's a choiceless choice. And I was telling people like, when it's a choiceless choice, the only choice is to fight. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing, but you can't fight if you're not using fear as fuel? And how do you change your relationship with fear? You decide, you remember people who manage their, their fear manage to fight and you can't be brave if you're not afraid. And what that means is every brave person is running on fear in the metaphor that that let me I love metaphors if your body is your vehicle and your mind how you're going to figure out shit is your gps your map how you're going to navigate then how does your body and your mind run well when we're when we're in danger of losing our business or losing our family or losing our mind what are we running on we're running on fucking fuel right and so what if we changed and we said, and I, and I love this play on words, you always see you ever say, hey, you gotta be fearless. And I go, but what if you're using fear as a, fu a fuel, then you wanna be fearful. I wanna be full of fear if I can consume my fear. And, and if I can say to myself, you know, I don't want fear as my backseat driver, I want fear as my co-pilot here. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't want the fear in the back of my head going, you're going too slow, you're going too fast, you're gonna miss the light, you're gonna miss your turn, you're a shitty driver right? Like a backseat driver. Right. I want fear beside me going, we've got a full tank, let's fucking go. Because what starts to happen is when you commit to it, you go into that flow state. Now you're in the green, you're not even thinking about fear. Gavin DeBecker in his book, uh, Gift of Fear, said fear is what you feel before the event. It's the static you feel before the event. And you know this, like, like you could be, you, you got writer's, writer's block and you're like, fuck, fuck, shit. Uh. And then all of a sudden you get an idea. And in that moment, you went from the fear loop right into fucking 90 miles an hour, fucking typing like a madman. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with, with, uh, uh, with violence. And I suck at a still shout out to violence is golden. Just so epic. <laughs> so, yeah. I got to do that one for YouTube. I think I can't monetize it probably, but uh, I think dude, I'm gonna, it's, I just need to put it up there. 
it's a video. It's amazing. It's, a, it's amazing. Yeah, you should you know, read it on YouTube. Well, I mean, it's it's one thing to talk about these days is that, uh, well, if, if if violence isn't golden, why are you staying home? <laughs> like, who's who's making you stay home right now? Like, all the people who are, what, why are you staying in your house? Someone told you that you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> if you, and now there's people who are just doing it, you know, whatever, altruistically. But right. there's a lot of people who want to go do things, who want to open their businesses and whatever, and they can't. And why can't they? Because there's a government with guns and <laughs> things that's going to stop them. You know, like, that's reality. And I think a lot of people are having to deal with that now. And they, they haven't had to think about why things happen. But you're not going out because someone's going to arrest you, maybe, if you do. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know? It's a weird time, man. And it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's super weird. I don't even know what to say about it. I, I, uh, my business was all in-person live seminars. And if, right. if uh, money were water, someone shut the faucet. Yeah. And, and you know, if you figure... Uh, without without sharing the math uh, for a boutique consulting company, it's not sustainable. We had to, this is actually a good example of, you know, for the first day, this was cute. And then the second day I was like, okay, you know, and then like a weekend I'm doing the math going, Hey, we're going to lose like 200 K in two months. Right. That, you know, wait a minute. And then it was like, if this goes on, like I could lose, my house, my ability to take care of my family, my, and that should have been first, hope my family doesn't listen to this, my family, my house, you know, uh, my business and all that shit. Um, and what I did was, you know, I suddenly got a fear spike. Yeah. And this is one thing I want to share with people. Mm -hmm. I've been studying violence for 41, 43 years. And out of that study, evolved my business and we do stuff all over the world from with tier one operators all the way down to soccer moms and whatever. And one of the things I love to tell people, especially when I'm doing our no fear seminar and talking to them, because I really believe like, imagine this, imagine if as kids, we were taught what fear was from the psychological perspective. What is our mind saying to us that we can't do so that now when society says you, you need to do this, we can now read instincts, intuition, and intelligence. And we go, well, this is how I'm going to self-actualize. I, I, this is what I want to do. And now I can have an intelligent conversation. Um, you know, would I have been a ski champion if I had understood fear differently, right? You know, would, would I? And here's an interesting, here's a really interesting thought is I'm turning 60 in a couple of days. And, and I think about how much I've worried in my life about shit. Was I going to make it? Was I not going to make it? Is my relationship going to work out? Is it not? Are my kids going to grow up cool? You know, uh, you know, am I going to get this contract? Am I not? And I'd worry about shit because they're part of, you know, it's it's that's part of the imagined currency of getting through life. Mm -hmm. And uh, assuming I would have ended up exactly here this day, talking to you this day, if I had known this shit that I'm teaching now, back as a teenager, I'd still would have been here, but with less gray hair, with, with, you know, less cortisol in my body, right? It was just this idea of, and it's not that I eliminate, and that's why the, 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 we use, it's not no fear, it's get to no fear. 
that if I, ch- I, when I know fear, I change my relationship with it. So now, you know, when the, when the shutdown happened, I had massive fear spike when I realized, you know, like for a couple of days, it's like, I work out of my house. I'm like you, I'm very focused. You know, I'm online, I'm doing this. I travel when I want. I got a training team of, of 10 full-time mobile training team guys. So I don't even teach if I, if I have to, I train my trainers, they train other people. So I was like totally self-sufficient, except you need money to be it, like in, it, depending on how, where you live. Right. Right. And um, <clears throat> so I went into a massive fear spike and I like sharing that. Not because I go, oh, that, that humanizes me. No, because you are never exempt from fear. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's one of the taxes of life. It's just, it's a legit tax. It's like you're going to get the fear spike when anytime something in life is introduced to you that's outside your comfort zone, you don't know about it. It's normal at a, at a, at a, a physiological level if you see some weird animal looking at you in the woods, you're going to get a fear spike. If you get a weird email from some unknown government agency that says whatever it says, and you're going, is this real? Well, your brain is processing. And that's just hundreds of thousands of your DNA. Oh, yeah. I, I get a fear spike every time I get a letter from the IRS. <laughs> right? Oh, it's true. You do. You're like, you're like is this the one? Right. <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, you and, and, and people listening to the show, think yeah. about this. You're speeding somewhere because most of us speed. Yeah. And you, you, you come over a, a hill and as you come over, you see a police car there. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, shit. And you check your seatbelt. You, you, know, you, you slow down as quickly as you can because you're doing 90 and a 60 or whatever it is. And then you notice that the cop's looking down. He's writing someone else a ticket. He's finished the ticket. or You see a car off to the side. Okay. What does your body, what does your physiology do, regardless of the fact that you're safe? You still get a fear spike. You still get an right. adrenaline dump. Your breathing still changes. So <clears throat> even that's a great example to practice courage. Mm-hmm. That when you realize it's not real, you can immediately go into some box breathing or some, some sort of intelligent, deliberate breathing, self-regulate yourself, get back in, into focus. So there's so many opportunities in life to practice courage so that when there is a big, and more meaningful event, <clears throat> the neuroplasticity of your brain that said, fear spike, you do this. When I get a fear spike now, I immediately intuitively consult the fear loop. So I'm not lost, right? I'm not going to be that land nav guy that died in the woods because I go, I'm over here. <clears throat> I'm in the fear loop. I need to get through here. And there's, mm-hmm. there are some steps to get through it. And now I'm out of the fear loop. Maybe I'm in the duress path or I see the strategy that's going to save me my business and my family. And now I'm, I'm all in and it's green. So, um, it's huge. And, and, and it's, it's like I said earlier, I could teach you, uh, I could teach you all of my martial combative stuff, but if I leave out the fear stuff, you could still freeze in a real confrontation or hesitate. Mm-hmm. And that means that all of the tools that you developed all these years went out the window when you needed it. Right. And if I come back to my observation in the 80s, here's somebody who's trained, who stayed in the fight. Here's somebody who's untrained, who stayed in the fight. Here's somebody who's trained, who quit. Here's somebody who's untrained, who quit. The thread that connected them was how they managed their fear. It wasn't their, their movement, how they expressed movement. Because there is no movement 
I said this earlier, movements of mental. There's no movement if there's no neuromuscular communication. Fight back now. Do something. Mm -hmm. So everyone listening, the most important thing that you can do in life, if 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 fighting is a metaphor, is learn how to manage your fear. Yeah, I mean, this some of this stuff that you're talking about is really interesting in terms of uh, like I like indignation is a good one, especially for this whole scenario. Like, why are they doing this? Why is this happening? What and uh, I, where your head has to be is how am I going to get on top of this rather than, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. It has to get to the next. Well, how am I going to turn this into a positive? Right. How, how am I going to find, how am I going to turn this into a positive and make this a win for me? You know, cause life's going to change stuff all the time. Sure. You. And you're like, how do you find, how do you make this a win for you? You know, and that's what we're all kind of having to do uh, right now is adapt to that. And the other thing that, uh, some of the things you were saying reminded me of is there's there's a saying actually from uh, it's the Havamal, so it's you know th theoretically Odin, but uh, there's a saying uh, I'll paraphrase it is a you know the witless man stays up all night thinking about his problem and he's just then he's just tired in the morning, mm. like too tired to deal with them and that basically that's a lot of what you're saying, uh, you know the, getting in that loop of like just what's going to happen what's going to happen what's going to happen and then you're just you know it, it's not helping. Yeah. Well, and it was, you know, you bring up the, like the current situation and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we can bitch behind scenes. We can be online. Uh, you know, the things have gotten so out of hand, uh, you know, with how fast. I mean, it was one of the things I observed was how how the whole world just sat down. Yeah. You know, it was like, OK. And, and you can just you can just see the lies and deception and manipulation. Oh, totally. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. The virus is real and people are sure. really dying, but but some of the other stuff going on is, is a little scary. Uh, but immediate issues for me, and so you know, if you're in a situation where where you've got this pressure and this pressure is creating this this doubt and fear, and again, the non-clinical anxiety, and for some people, no doubt it's it's creating some mental health issues. Um, Remember the expression, you can't solve problems if you become the problem. And so to go back to your indirect Odin, you know, the, you know, the, the witless man, it's, it's, that's kind of uh, deprecating for all of us. But, but what, it, <laughs> what it means, what it means, your self-awareness is lacking and you need to solve a problem now and you shouldn't you should not be worrying it's the false expectations appearing real you're staying up all night worrying about something that hasn't happened and now it's morning time and you don't even have the energy to solve the problem you've become the fucking problem um it's a beautiful i mean i love the expression but i know you know you're not not your audience but other people might listen to it if i share it and we've got a lot of snowflakes out there who will go did they just call me witless you know, <laughs> well, that that is a hairline, uh, you know, the trigger response. <laughs> well, but but, dude, guess what? Yeah, yeah. If you, if you don't want to listen to people talk about actionable ideas, mm -hmm. then then you are a snowflake, and you are. Oh yeah. Well, one of the things I think is cool about the situation is that everybody has the same problem, more right. or less. I mean, at different scales of whatever. No, no, it's it's but, a worldwide uh, issue. But yeah, everybody's having to deal having to deal with the same thing. No one's special. You know, every people have different resources. I would have this would have really well, sucked if I, I was 20. I, I need to but, inject you know, this here. I need yeah. to inject here. Everyone except for people with limos and armed security 
you know, well, the rest, of, the, rest yeah. the rest of us, the rest of us are in the same boat. Yeah. Other, yeah. other people are, are don't have it, but that was just a little dig at, at yeah. At, oh, um, totally. Totally. But I mean, what, what is happening is that everybody, they're having a real problem instead of all these imaginary problems. Like, right. like you, like you, you called me witless, you know, like that, that's not a real problem. Right. Right. Not, not knowing if you're going to be able to get paid for the next like two months is a real problem. Right. You know, like they're having getting? real problems. And I'm Dinner, hoping yeah. that turns their dial, their sensitivity dial down a little bit. I mean, right. that's the best thing that could really come out of all of this, I think. Yeah. But listen, man, like you brought up a good point. So, so I, in the first week of this, went, holy shit, I could lose everything. Yeah. And I went in the fear loop. And, uh, and then I said, well, I'm going to be no use to myself if I become the problem. And, uh, and so I, I met with my my close circle team, and we just started talking. And one of my one of my trainers said, "Well, why don't we do some online training and come up with a new course?" And then that turned into a garage gym program that I set up. I haven't taught in twenty years, other than my trainers. And and we have a you know we we have we in, within a week we had two new websites, three new programs, and what emerged out of this was, and this is very important, we weren't making money, but we were so busy trying to solve problems that we were positive energy, moving forward, working seven days a week, and that energy is contagious. And I, I wrote this online, I don't, know if you, I don't know if you saw it, but that fear is contagious, but so is uh, courage. Mm -hmm. And just choose the courage. Um, and And so, we could have sat there waiting for a government bailout, right? Or we said, okay, we got to get busy because we've got to be self-sufficient, you know? And we started doing this and the serendipity of it is at two weeks afterwards, I said to everybody, you guys all did a fucking amazing job. I was so proud of my team. But I said to them, we should have been doing this before the pandemic, the stuff, that emerged from the pressure of mm -hmm. finding a way to be resourceful was stuff we realized. And so if the pandemic got like on May 1st, you know, the world said, okay, you know, hey, we made a mistake about the numbers and okay, move back in here uh, and, and, and get going. We're still gonna continue with all the programs, uh, you know? And so if you all take a little inspiration from that, allow the pressure to uh, reveal some creative diamond opportunity because uh, that's what pressure does so yeah absolutely absolutely i mean it uh puts you under a situation where you have to think of think creatively because you can yeah. follow the same patterns if everything's working right you now but if you have to uh, if you have to start problem solving then, then things are new and and just it's a bit a good thing to reevaluate things that are fat that needs to be trimmed Mm -hmm. you know i mean i'm like i had four gym memberships and because i don't like working out at home but i have a whole home gym i'm like well this is stupid why do i have four gym memberships i i can fix right. that you know like i'll just this is, this is what i should be doing anyway you know that kind of thing so yeah, yeah it just makes you reevaluate things and you know yeah pr pressure is good you come out with good good solutions yeah. And, but it's the same thing as like fear. The word fear is a stigma. I keep going back and forth with marketing people. Mm -hmm. They go, well, fear doesn't sell you. Should I go? But like, that's the thing is like, 
like I need people to realize that fear is fuel. And, and, mm -hmm. and so there are people that go like, I don't like this pressure. And you go, well, you, you look at your, your physique right now. Like, I don't know if you're in the best shape of your life, but, uh, or, or if you're Photoshopped right now, but you that, that was, that was May of two years ago, but it's, I'm, I'm all right. But, but you're, <laughs> you're, you're still in great shape. Yeah. But you couldn't have built that without pressure, the pressure of weights. Yeah. The pressure, the pressure of I'm going to run this hard or, or, or drag this sled or push this or pull this. So if, if you, if when you reframe the word pressure, you change your relationship with pressure. When you reframe the word fear, you change your relationship with fear. When you change your relationship with fear, you change your mind. When you change your mind, you can change your life. Excellent. So basically, I think the, the takeaway uh, for people is that, uh, you know, if, to look for that fear response. And then, and then what? Basically, like then reprogram yourself, uh, start thinking about what you can do instead. Yeah. So you don't need to look for the fear response because it just appears. That's, that's the, that's the. Well, to recognize it, I mean. Yeah, yeah, to recognize it. So what I, what I want people to do is like, so everything is a scenario. That's, mm -hmm. that's how our program works. So let, so let me run you through the steps. You, you're in a scenario, you're going, you know what, this isn't so bad. I got a little rhythm right here. And then you, you get introduced some new information and it creates a moment of doubt where you get this fear spike. You're like, oh shit, that's going to suck. And, and this could be literally, like I said earlier, when we started, you know, the workout your buddy sent you and you're going, I fucking, I can't get through this. Um, to something you hear on the news from the media about stuff uh, to your, your, you know, you're in a relationship where it's like, hey, this kind of sucked when we weren't quarantined and now this is really sucking, right? You know, so I'm using something negative there. Um, and the more you fixate on the negative, the doubt becomes hesitation, becomes fixation, becomes anxiety. And that's this, uh, like a pejorative angle, uh, anger, an anger that you, you can't use. Indignation is a positive anger, right? Mm -hmm. So indignation is a how fucking dare you, right? Well, it's, uh, are you, you're familiar with the word thumos? No. Oh, it's, it's the Greek concept of, of uh, Plato talked about it. Basically, it's, uh, they, they translated it as high-spiritedness. Okay. Which you basically like the the warrior class, basically, that's one of their characteristics, basically, is guys who are so angry for justice. Mm. That's the idea of it. it it's thumos. It's, a, it's, it's a kind of a positive. It can be negative, obviously, if you can manipulate those guys to do whatever right. you want. Right. But uh, how's thumos it, how's is it, definitely... How's it spelled? Do you know? Uh, well, yeah, you could... It's T-H-U-M-O-S. Uh, and then sometimes the U is a Y. You know, it's interesting because that's like metaphors. Yeah. But but uh, I wonder if a thermos is, is origin from that. As I was thinking that hmm. rough, that something that that maintains your heat, the thermos. Maybe. I wonder. Maybe. Right? That's what popped in my head. Is like like because if it's a positive thing, is how do I maintain my fire, my energy yeah. for for this? Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll send it to you. Uh, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Um, yeah. So the really the trick is, folks, it, it's super simple. You get a fear spike. So um, I've got another acronym that I use, mm -hmm. and I know we can swear on this show because I've already sworn. But I've got another. I got another shirt. I'll send it to you. Give me your address after. It's my fuck fear shirt. Okay. And fuck fear. Fuck stands for face it. 
understand it, control it, know it. And so the acronym is, I get a fear spike, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. your IRS letter, uh, phone call from um, uh, a friend saying, hey, I'm in a lot of trouble, you know, I need this. You're like, oh shit, I can't help. Um, To a physical fight, to uh, the government saying, guess what? Uh, You're shut down for a year and uh, nobody leave. And you're like, are you kidding? Whatever it is, when you get a fear spike, the fuck fear acronym is face it, that's accept it, okay? I can't do anything about this. Understand it, that means I gotta do my research. Is that, is that uh, uh, cumulative, uh, Google, consulting, introspection, meditation, uh, invention, and now I need to understand it, and then the control it is interesting because there are gonna, it's like the thermos thing, it's I'm going to control what I've learned or I now have to move through the duress path. I'm going to have to fight back, but I'm going for it. And that's what we talk about is the duress path. And then at certain points you hit your stride, you go, this is fucking working. I believe in this. And that's that green again, where, where I believe that most of life, most of life is spent fear loop duress path, fear loop duress. It's a dance. Mm. where where we go you know think about this uh, uh, okay i'm going to you know ask this person out i'm going to quit my job and start my own business i'm going to i'm going to write a book right and then you you go like this i'll i'll start tomorrow it's start and stop it's start and stop it's a little bit you put it away if you think back at all of the stuff we do in life when you have a map you know, you look at it, and, and this is the purpose of this, is, is when you have a map, you actually have a different level of accountability. Now it's like, why aren't I driving in that direction? I know that's the way out. Absolutely. So, so you, 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 you know, you, you're, you're, you're right. The, you know, when you said, hey, so what's, what's the trigger to make this change? The fear spikes the trigger. You need self-awareness to do that. So the next time you get scared about something, that little fear spike, and it doesn't mean like scared folks, and I know, I know that, uh, you know, your audience, my audience, military, law enforcement, CrossFitters, martial artists, we're type A, we're fucking driven, entrepreneurs, getting, getting after shit, building our bodies. We don't like, this. this is the perfect time to remind people we have a stigma for fear, but if you didn't fear fear, how would you feel? If you didn't fear fear, what would you do, right? Yeah, you'd have no oh shit moments. In right, life. right. So I mean, that's what that is, right? So, yeah. So if you remind yourself, you know what? I really, I don't have the most positive relationship with fear. It sucks. I don't like that feeling. So if you go, if you remember, and, you know, and I, I love sharing this one, you can't be brave if you're not afraid. Every, if, listen, if somebody isn't afraid of skydiving and they're adrenaline junkie and, and they maybe even have a death wish and they fucking live on the edge, they're an outlier. Like, like it's no big deal to jump out of an airplane, but if somebody likes life and is afraid of heights and doesn't want to die and they jump out of an airplane, and I know both type of warriors, I know warriors that like go, let's do this, and other people are going, okay, here we go. They're both professionals, they're both qualified, but somebody likes jumping out of the airplane, somebody doesn't, but he doesn't anyhow. That second guy is managing fear, 
And that's that's the significant dis- distinction. If there are things in life where you just like you're that outlier and you can't understand why people aren't afraid to do certain things, mm-hmm. like good on you. The rest of us hate you, uh, but but you know, real people are like, "Fuck, can I do this? Am I good enough?" You know, I'm fucking scared now, and you've just got to do it anyhow. There's things in life you need to do scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's good. It's good to have. It's good to assess risks and understand right. what they are. Uh, the person who just jumps out of everything, maybe eventually splats, but, uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's good. But so, so anyway, we're probably gonna have to wrap up because I think yep. you said you had a hard stop here, but, uh, where do you want me to send people? Um, well, we have a new website specifically for all of this now, uh, no fear now, K N O W, uh, uh, K N O W is how we spell no mm-hmm. fear F E A R of course. And now, Dot com no fear now and it's got it's got everything that's available uh, digital or virtual right now so it's all in one my main website blower spear has like 800 pages and you get lost in there and you're you'll be in the fear loop in that website <laughs> this, this one's super linear it's right. it's uh hey i can't get to a course how do i study this stuff here's a here's a, an online course uh, I want to do some training. We put together a two-hour course called uh, Essentials of Personal Safety, which is like a live Zoom course, which is amazing. My team put that together. And then uh, a couple other options there. So that's the easiest way and all, all the access numbers and infos on that page. All right, man. Sounds good. Well, it's, it was good to reconnect. Yeah, dude. Thank you so much. And definitely do something with uh, Violence is Golden. I mean, that's the I read that. And, and as soon as I read that, I emailed you and it was like, ah. Uh, Awesome. Awesome, man. Y'all definitely have to do that. All right. Thanks again. Okay. Be safe.